Sometimes there can be a disconnect between what you think you need and what you actually need. Sometimes people think all that they need is a bigger paycheck to cover their expenses, but what they really need to learn to do is to keep track of a budget so that they don't overspend. Sometimes people think that they need the new miracle weight loss drug, but what they really need is diet, sleep, and exercise. Now, Advent is about coming, Jesus coming. We think in Advent about his first coming at Christmas in the Incarnation. We look forward to that. But we also think about his coming to us now in word and sacrament. And, of course, about his final coming again at the end of the age. But why does he come? That's the question. Why is Advent, a season of the church, all about coming? Jesus comes because Jesus is who we need. He's what we actually need, not just what we think we need. In his days, Judah will be saved. The prophet Jeremiah speaks. We need to be saved. That's what we really need. We need to be rescued from our sin. You heard that in the prayer, the collect of the day, that we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and saved by Jesus' mighty deliverance. That's what we really need. The reason that you need Jesus to come is because you are a sinner. And your sin separates you from God. And that sin that separates you from God, it leads to eternal death. The wages of sin is death. And unless you are saved, unless you are rescued, unless something changes that trajectory of sin in your life, then you will end up in eternal damnation. We need to be rescued. That's what we actually need. That's what everyone truly needs. We need to be given life again. The trajectory needs to change from death to life, from eternal death to everlasting life. And the way that that happens is that Jesus comes and Jesus dies, and Jesus is raised again, and as the prophet says, he, the Lord, is now our righteousness. That's his name. That's how he saves. And I could stop the sermon there. That's basically the main point, isn't it? Advent, Jesus comes. Why does he come? Because we're sinners, and we need to be saved. The end. That would be a fine sermon, actually, in some ways. And that's the point of Advent. But why do we have Advent every year anyway, and why do I preach every week anyway? It's because we need to be reminded of these simple things, and we also need to think about how we often miss this simple point. Because there's a disconnect oftentimes between what we think we need and what we actually need. We can say very 
poignantly what we actually need, as we just did. That doesn't stop us, however, from sometimes getting distracted and thinking that why we need Jesus is maybe a little bit different than that. And that's not new. If you read this prophecy from Jeremiah in chapter 23, you can see maybe a little bit implicitly in the text some of the ways in which the Israelites of that day thought that they needed Jesus or could be confused about why they needed Jesus. And they were a little bit missing the point. In Jeremiah's day, he's prophesying in the time of the Babylonian exile. And their big concern is getting to go home. One of the things Jeremiah himself gets very excited about here in part of this prophecy, and there is a right way to understand this, of course. In verse 7 and 8, He says, therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. No longer shall they say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. That was the first mighty work of God or one of the mighty works of God that was remembered in the Old Testament by the Israelites is the Passover, how the Lord had brought them out of Egypt. But Jeremiah says something even greater or maybe more memorable than that is going to happen. That they're going to call the Lord something different as the Lord lives instead, who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country, from Babylon and from all the countries where I had driven them. And they shall dwell in their own land. Jeremiah is excited. The people are excited that the Messiah coming, that the righteous branch coming, that Jesus coming means for them getting to have their own home. And that is great. And that's true. And that happened. The Lord did allow them to return from exile and rebuild the temple out of which Jesus would come. That was great. And that is something that happens in the coming of the Lord. But the thing is, the Lord was going to do even more than that. He allows them to go back and rebuild the temple out of his mercy and out of his grace. And from that place and at that place, he brings about his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who dies and is risen again in that place. But it doesn't stop there. The message goes forth. He wasn't just planning on rebuilding the temple and having the temple there. And having Jesus come there and then kind of everything stops after that. Or they just live forever like that. No, instead he sends his gospel forth to all nations. You can imagine that the people there were greatly looking forward to that day. When the fortunes of Israel would be restored. And they'd be able to bring all the gold and all the great, magnificent gifts of the temple back into the temple. And they thought that would be great. And we can think the same thing, right? Wouldn't it be great if the Lord would just build up this place? Wouldn't it be great if he would just fill up people in all these pews that maybe we'd have to get even more pews or even build another sanctuary out back? 
or we could plant more churches in the area. Wouldn't it be great if we had so many people and they all gave so much money that we would never have to worry about the budget again. We'd never have to worry about getting money from the district again. Wouldn't it be great if God just came and revitalized this place in an instant? If we had tons of young families and tons of ministries, and it would be amazing. And it really would be. I think it truly would be amazing if all those things happened. But that isn't the main reason that Jesus comes to us. The reason that Jesus comes to us is not just to build up one place in one time of history. It's not just so that you personally can have your great little church home. Jesus comes to us for a much deeper and greater reason, whether there are three people in the pews or whether there are a hundred people in the pews. It's the reason that he comes to us is to be our righteousness whether for three or for a hundred. It's also easy to miss the point and think that Jesus comes to solve political problems and that all our problems are really political in nature. You can think about what Jeremiah prophesies here, that a king will come. I will raise up David, a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. And certainly there were plenty of people in the ancient world, plenty of those ancient Christians who thought that's what the Messiah was coming for. This is actually why Israel begged for a king to begin with. When they asked the Lord to raise up for them a king because they wanted to rival the other nations around them. They wanted to be like the other nations. And they thought that if they just had a king, a great political leader, then they could reign there and that all their problems would go away. If you go and read about all the kings in the history of Israel and the history of Judah in the Old Testament, you know that never works out. And it shows our need for the one good king the King Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it is true. He is a king. He is a king who executes judgment and righteousness in the earth. But when he comes, do people recognize him for the kind of king that he is? How often do the disciples ask, Lord, when will you restore the fortunes of Israel? When will you make us a mighty kingdom again? When can we go back to those good old days like in Solomon's day when our kingdom was extending over the whole earth? And it's easy to think politically like that. I'm sure some of you heard that this last week there was a some kind of shooting over at the Huey's restaurant here in Olive Branch, some kind of carjacking situation that happened. I knew about it because I logged onto Facebook and I saw in Hernando Happenings, you know, the group of DeSoto County, that there was people posting about it. One of the top comments said this. It said, if you want these crimes to stop happening, you have to go out and vote. Go out and vote. And there's probably a seed of truth in that. God does institute government for our good, to promote peace and to punish wickedness and 
to help provide for us a safe place to live. That's all true. And good politicians can even help diminish crime in an area. There's no doubt about that. But are all our problems really political? Would everything really be solved if we just had all the right people in office? Think about what the psalmist says. Put not your hope in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. You see, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it does in one sense, but in another sense, it doesn't really matter if we get all the best politicians elected and we redo all the laws on the books to better align them with the Bible. That would be amazing. That would be great. We should even pray for that. We should pray for good and just laws and good and just and honest politicians. But it won't solve your deepest problem. It will not change the hearts of men who steal cars and shoot at each other. It's also easy to miss the point about Jesus coming if we're just following the crowds. The triumphal entry, which we read from Matthew 21, you can remember there the crowds shouting out, laying their cloaks before the Lord and waving palm branches in their hands and they're shouting Hosanna, which means save us. Save us now, O King of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it sounds like such a wonderful thing to proclaim and it really is a wonderful thing to proclaim. We use that song of the people there in our, in our liturgy every week. But it is worth remembering that those are crowds and that those crowds are the same crowds, most likely, who we find just a few days later in the life of Jesus shouting something completely different, crucify him, crucify him. Despite our culture being more and more post-Christian, so to speak, I think there are still plenty of people especially, I imagine, here in the Bible Belt, who are Christians that are following the crowds. You still hear people say colloquially, well, we just need Jesus, or you need Jesus in your life. But often what they mean by that is something very surface level. You just need to get your life organized. You need to be a more moral person. Or it's just a good thing if you have kind of a church family that you can go to where you can have some moral group of friends. But following the crowds is a dangerous thing because you never know where the crowds are going to go when persecution comes or when times get tough. And so we can miss the point. We can miss the point and we can think that Jesus comes just to make our life or our church or our community a great place to be Christian. We can miss the point and think that Jesus comes to be some sort of charismatic political leader who would solve all our nation's problems if we could just be more Christian in this country. 
We can miss the point and we can follow the crowds and just shout praises to Jesus while ever the time is good to do so. But none of those reasons, while sometimes they result in good things, none of those reasons are why Jesus came to you. Now let's go back to that simple point. Let's go back to the main point. Let's go back to the point of this sermon and every sermon. He came to save you. He came to rescue you from the treacherous perils of your sin. He came to rescue you and pull you out of eternal damnation and lead you into everlasting life. He came to bring you into his life, a life of innocence and blessedness, a life of thanks and praise and servants, service and obedience. And to accomplish that, I want to leave you with this. Notice how he came. He did not come in the glory of some charismatic political leader. He did not come for people to be great fans over him and for massive crowds to follow him. He came in humility. He came born in a feeding trough for animals. He came into his death of shame, riding on a donkey. And he came to die. He came to take your shame, your sin, and your death all into himself on that cross and bury it there at Golgotha. He came to take the weakness in your life and to give you his strength. And in exchange, this is what Jeremiah had prophesied. This is who his name is. It is who he is. This is the main point. The Lord is our righteousness. And that is the name by which he will be called. To him be all the honor and glory now and forever. Amen.